and welcome back to Metalheads. We are the band Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. We are an alt-rock outfit from Southern California, and this is our music podcast where we discuss uh, music. Mm -hmm. Mainly, we talk about our experiences, of course, influences, and kind of our ideas and thoughts about, you know, music in general, the industry, so on and so forth. If you're new here, this is pretty much our little system. We have a band of the week. Each one of us, that's a four-piece band, picks an artist, and then we discuss that artist and kind of their contribution to the industry, their impact, uh, their musical influence on us and on, you know, greater culture, and just, you know, a bunch of fun stuff like that. So for basic introductions, just to remind everybody, I am Megan Rice, and I am the vocalist. I am Scott Gossett, and I play guitar. I am Roy Hernandez, and I play the drums. And I am also Roy Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm Zach Zeit, and I play the bass. Nice. So today's uh, episode, it was Zach's week to pick artist or band of the week. And Zach, well, who did you pick? I picked Jeffree Star. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I should have picked you. Oh, my God. I literally need to do that now. This is like not a joke. This was an option. <laughs> I think that could be an episode. But no, I, I chose band him, uh, his infernal majesty. Which is pretty close to Jeffree Star, if we're being honest. I mean, it doesn't well, matter man. if you love him or capital H I M. Capital H, period. Capital I, period. Yeah. Capital M period. Um, yes, uh, stands for His Infernal Majesty. Um, well, awesome. Well, we're going to yeah. talk about him today, and Scott. Oh no, and Zach's going to lead yeah, it. Zach, Zach is going to lead it. Um, <laughs> Take all it right. away. Well, uh, so him is a Finnish goth band, which already just you already know exactly what they look like uh, from <laughs> me saying that. Do they have like really short pastel shorts on? Yeah, um, pastel shorts and um, just a lot of weird voices, mostly. <laughs> but uh, uh, they were formed in 1991 by singer Ville Valo, Ville Valo, sorry, and bassist Mike Pananen with the name His Infernal Majesty. Uh, Valo was only 15 when he first started the band, so I just think it's that's an interesting point because. I was in a million bands being a teenager and stuff. So I think it's funny that like the project you started when you were 15 ended up being like your successful project. I think that's very far and few between I would imagine for musicians. Well, especially because back at that time, I would imagine that, you know, it says that they formed in 1991. So I would imagine that those people actually put a little bit more effort into their musical knowledge right. than people do now. Uh huh, I agree, and I think um, what's weird is in like Norway, Finland, like the, you know Northern Europe, uh, it's very like a very metal dominant region, and uh, I think a lot of them revere like being good at music, like in your at your instrument. Uh, it, it comes across that way to me in the culture of all these Nordic uh, metal bands. But anyways, uh, the band broke up in 1993, which is like shocker. You know they were in high school. Um, <laughs> And then they reformed in 95 with Vili Vallo and guitarist Miko Lindstrom. Lindstrom. Uh, <laughs> this new iteration of the band rebranded the name as the acronym HIM. 
which I think is a smart choice because his infernal majesty is a mouthful. Anyways, um, they released their debut album, Greatest Love Songs, Volume 666, which uh, is like a flavor I love, which is kind of the whole flavor of the band, you know, having the the love songs and the Satanism, which is interesting. Uh, and then, uh, anyways, you know, in 2000, they released the album Razorblade Romance with the new drummer, Mika Gas Lipstick. No one knows what that means. <laughs> I'm so confused. Carpinen and keyboardist Jessica Carpe Diem? Salmonen, Salmonella. Salmonella and Carpe Diem. Good, yes. good band. Yeah, Salmonella and <laughs> Carpe Diem. No, I just think it's so ridiculous. Like, just, oh my God. Who thinks Gas Lipstick is a cool name? Because it's like, first well, of all. Well, I just all, don't even get what the, the point of yeah, the either. name is. Do you like, know what? Did you look it up? No, I, I kind of tried. Like, I, I didn't get too far into the nickname part, uh, I, which I should have. Um, but to me, I just... It seems I, like there should be a story there. I, I I can look it up right now, honestly. Bryce says well, he's shaking his oh, head. Just, yeah. Uh, what's he called? Mika? Mike? Yes. Mika Gas uh, Lipstick Carpingen. Uh He was born in Sweden to Finnish parents. And they liked gas and lipstick? <laughs> I'm assuming. Okay. <laughs> like, that's yeah, the my, story. My father was gas and my mother was lipstick. So you that's just the, put them that's together. That's the interesting so like, story. Maybe he has like weird. It's, like it's like, actually very straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Green petrol colored lips because he has gout or something. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. And like, but just think about how bad he would be to kiss. You right. know, like if he smelled like that. Maybe it's just because there's like, like a language barrier. And you know, when like. You know, we could be potentially like tattooing stupid Asian culture mm-hmm. writing on ourselves, and we think we're saying something artsy with the Japanese, whatever the hell. And it turns out we're just saying like, "Oh, water biscuit," or like, pancake. Hey. <laughs> or <something. Yeah. laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, maybe it's a weird Finnish thing, but uh, <laughs> so this album with gas lipstick and salmonella <laughs> uh, <laughs> reached number one in Finland, Austria, and Germany. Um, the most notable song off the album was Join Me in Death, which I was listening to earlier today. And that um, the most notable song off that album was Join Me in Death, which went number one in Finland and Germany, platinum in Finland, and gold in Germany. So the keyboardist's name is either Jan or Janne. Janne Pertinen. Roy had a good point. It could actually just be Johnny. Johnny, it could, it could be, be Johnny. Johnny Puritan. It's Puritan, spelled yes. J A N N E. So if anybody has any input to help us out, please comment you think in the Zach, group. this being his band of the week, would know what John Puritan sounds like. Yeah, you would think. And also, like my heritage is from this part of the world. Like I just should be. Better it actually just this. sounds like like one of the first people to land at Plymouth Rock. Yeah, well, we just, got just well, Jan Puritan. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. I was like, we got Puritan, we got Salmonella, we got lipstick George, Carpe whatever. Diem. Carpe diem. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. Moving right along. Okay, so Yane Puritan joined, <laughs> joined on keyboards and released Deep Shadows in 2001 which broke the top 10 in multiple countries in Europe and most notably finally allowed the band to tour in the UK and US, which is you know why we know them now. Um, it took this band 10 years to finally realize themselves as a touring force. And I, I just like that because I think all these podcasts we do, it seems like these bands 
get it within like a year. And like, like it's your whole thing where it's like, Hey honey, I'm going to make you a star. Yeah. <laughs> like they, and like, I just, I find it refreshing that they put in so much work and stuck with it. And then we're finally rewarded, you know? And I, I think that might be a similar road for us. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, I totally agree. It, it is going to take anybody who is trying to do something that at least they feel is different. I don't think that anything him did was that different than anything else, but that's because they almost have more of an American music sensibility. But for them, everything was metal and death metal. Right. Exactly. They're in like the most metal region of the world. Yeah. So yeah. like for them to make music that's going to stand out, they're going to have to do something different and it's not going to be anything like the music of their culture. hundred percent. Totally agree. I wonder if, it took 10 years for them to tour because of switching and uh, band members and oh, possibly recording new albums. And well, that it's makes possible, sense. but I thought maybe you were just going to say like, cause maybe one of them had a bad back and they just, <laughs> <laughs> they just needed to really hone in their exact butt yeah. rock sound. Yeah. It took, them, exact. took them 10 years to really get that essence of butt rock yes exactly and that's one thing about them is they got that one sound and then just did it for 60 songs you know what i mean but like i mean it was a great sound like and it still influenced me so um so this brings me to the real focal point of the band for me uh which is the album dark light released in 2005 and this is the important one this is uh the one everyone knows which has you know rip out the wings of a butterfly on it and you almost definitely heard that song. I mean, maybe if you don't know you did, uh, you would probably recognize it if you heard it. I don't know, um, Zach. How does it go? Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. that. Okay, so just cool. like that. Um, yeah. So you, so you guys you guys know what I'm talking about now? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, That song. Good. All right, cool. So, and that is their uh, song with the most commercial success by far out of anything they ever made. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of their history. Cause I mean, I didn't even want to get into the later stuff cause it just didn't even matter when I was listening to some of it and nobody had anything remarkable to say. So that's kind of where the band ends for me and my influence. Um, so going off of that, uh, my personal experience with them growing up and why they're influential to me was, uh, it all goes back to Canyon Lake middle school in seventh grade when my friend Danny Minko Gave me a burned CD, which is an old-fashioned statement, right? Of a uh, dark light because he was like helping me explore my music tastes and stuff. Because be being raised Mormon, also by a crazy mom, I was super restricted as to was what I could and couldn't listen to, and even like where and everything. And uh, I had met these two metalhead kids at school that I was friends with, uh, Danny Minko and Sebastian Stone, which uh, yeah. that doesn't matter, but like it kind of does. I almost feel like that's not even his birth given name. Like he, like when he was right. five, felt like <laughs> he was just too dark to have a real kid's name. And he's just like, no, and what do I come up with? He like looks around. He's like, I'm watching the little mermaid yep. and there's this lobster and there's this stone. <laughs> so like, that's my name. <laughs> Sebastian Stone. <laughs> yeah, that's really actually probably what it was. Because who uh, the fuck is actually named Sebastian ever? Right. Uh, pirates. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? The one guy from Cruel Intentions. Yep. Yeah. Like, People in Shakespeare. People with thin <laughs> mustaches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. Anyways. Uh, 
so those kids were like the first people in my life that kind of helped me explore my own like opinions and musical tastes and things like that outside of like my weird little Mormon bubble that I was in. Um, so maybe that's why this band was also so influential to me is because it was one of the first ones I ever like heard that I liked after that. I listened to the album dark light, like every day on my old school, like CD ROM player I got from like radio shack or whatever. And, uh, I don't even remember how long, but it was like all of seventh grade. And, uh, the, the song, the night side of Eden was my particular favorite alongside killing loneliness. Um, I just really liked how emotionally like epic it felt. And it was kind of like, um, this ballad esque kind of, um, vibe to me. And, uh, you know, I just, I felt like I could, um, I, you know, I just made me feel and I, I was like, wow, this is really sick. And I was just like this chubby little 13 year old listening to like kill. I'm killing loneliness with you. I wish like a girl would like me. Like, well, here's a good question. What do you think about it? And the tone and the sound really made you feel that way in retrospect. Now that that was literally half of your life ago, if you're 26 right now and you were 13, mm -hmm. double that time and see what you can think reflecting back. Like what yeah. did, what did you think like the tonality of it really did like, for you actually at the time? musically? Yeah. Like what, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, well I think, uh, the tones of the guitars that they had, um, or were kind of uh, a little more spacey and not so ambient, but um, it was just kind of shimmery and uh, above everything that kind of made it set the tone for this emotional song. And uh, I think, and well, and then Billy Valio's voice is very like down and brings it all together. Yeah, I almost think he's like a baritone because from all the things that I've listened to, he never really seems like he hits any high notes, but the notes that he hits that are quote unquote high for what I think his vocal range are still feel impactful. Like you don't think like, you know, Celine Dion hits some like E5 where it's like, no. Nah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like with him, like his high notes, probably like, you know, a G4 or something. And that still, for whatever reason, feels like he's pulling it and feeling so deeply about the way he's holding this note. Yada, yada, yada. Right. Like, like I think the high note of Repile the Wings of the Butterfly is like, uh, like there. Like, that's the belt high note. It could be. I like, don't know. We I should mean, put an option That was beautiful. That. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that sounds about right. You know, I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's too high. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> him... Also influenced like the first real skateboard I ever got on my like 13th birthday, which is like a Bam Margera element born. I just thought it was really sick because I had the hardograms on it and everything. And I also think it's just weird that they were, they had this weird like association with Bam Margera because they were so brooding and serious as like a goth band. And then they had this dude from Jackass being there like, well, it's actually not proponent. that weird. He literally went over there, heard their music thought it was really cool and just wanted to know them. And then being an opportunistic, you know, people, the band said, well, fuck, this guy's huge in America. Let's go be friends with him and let's well, actually, go be on his show. I was going to say, I thought like we were watching a documentary earlier and I That's thought exactly he, he was the one who like, I thought Bam like went to their hotel room. Yes. He's, yeah. That's why I said he was like, Bam was like, I really dig these guys yeah. because he was over there and was like, I want to, you know, form a friendship. I think you're cool. I like your music. 
And then, like I said, it was very opportunistic for him because then the band was like, well, shit, this guy's big in the U.S. and he has a show. And so it kind of made sense. I mean... From a business standpoint, that totally makes sense. And just because, you know, they wear black nail polish and (laughs) freaking Nightmare Before Christmas sweaters doesn't mean that they can't (laughs) make friends with people. (laughs) Right. No, it is to like at a branding point is really what I mean. Like to me, like, I mean, it makes sense now because it's like so much later, but... Um, it just was, it's just funny cause it's a weird juxtaposition to me, you know? I don't really think so because he was very like flagrant and like kind of almost, um, had like a weird David Bowie-esque like androgyny and like a, he was really effeminate and I believe he was like actually like bisexual. Like I, I remember back in the day, like there was, you know, always pictures of him like hooking up with dudes at nightclubs and stuff like that. So like, I don't think that he actually oh. had this like as dark and, and one note, kind of theme to him seemed like he just kind of was whatever he wanted to be. And I mean, the black and the eyeliner and stuff was part of it, but obviously that freaking cover is him wearing like, I think like a fur jacket and it's like pink, bright pink behind him. Well, I agree with you. I think what Zach means too, by the juxtaposition and I could be mansplaining for Zach right now (laughs) (laughs) was, was that, like Bam is just such a weird, silly idiot for what their music seems to be so like deeply impassioned and dark that like he doesn't really represent the the deep impassioned and dark. He's just kind of like a like I'm gonna go skateboard off of your dad. I'm gonna like, yeah, I'm gonna make my dad fall into the lawn. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, but they're yeah. about as like deep and dark as like three days grace to oh, me. No, no, I I agree with you on that. I'm just saying that I think what Zach's juxtaposition is is just that. Bam is even more of a just a I'm just a weird idiot and well, like I said earlier today, which I was saying I was absolutely <laughs> should, gonna say should, yeah. in the podcast, is that to me, him <laughs> this is like the best example I can give. Him to me is like the Claire's of like <laughs> like brooding rock music. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, kind of true. You know, if Sephora was a store that sold high quality beauty products that are like very top tier you know, luxurious beauty products and they have like a, a reputation. They're fancy. You know, you go in there and you can get like a hundred dollar foundation. Call it like Marilyn Manson, for example. Yeah. And that saying. would be like the Marilyn Manson, somebody who's got like this really like, you know, intricate, cool sound that there's lots of thought behind it. There's lots of innovation there. There's actually much more of a um, well thought out and deeper kind of even imagery that he uses is very like thoughtful and, and, you know, really pushes the boundaries and that's the Sephora that Marilyn Manson is the Sephora. And then you have Claire's, which for anybody who doesn't have a Claire's, it's like this little kid. Four year olds go there to get their ears pierced yeah. with a gun. And then you yeah. get like this makeup that's like not makeup. It like kind of washes off in five seconds. It's like literally like using watercolors on your face. And so him is like the Claire's makeup and Marilyn Manson is the Sephora. So of I the think darkness, yes. exactly. So that's why I don't really take him seriously as like being like actually dark and brooding. I just kind of felt like, oh, like that was kind of one of his one of his getups. Well, and that's funny. I kind of want to talk about that because um, I feel like he so pushes the dark and brooding thing because I feel like they marketed themselves as like they were like the emo like thing, you know. And um, it, there's no one's that serious all the time, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. in Marilyn Manson, I don't ever like came like in his music and his album covers yes it was dark or whatever but like him as like a person a celebrity was just like 
all right, whatever. I'm smoking weed with Donnie Johnny Depp in the bushes, like. Or, well, yeah, and know. he says that all the time, and and he will definitely be one of our episodes because we love Marilyn Manson. But a lot of it is almost uh, like almost paradoxical. You know what I mean? Like, well, because he was smart. I mean, he yeah. was an intelligent man. Who I mean, even when you hear him in his interviews, he doesn't talk like all lit up, and you know, he's still very like introspective and turned in and you know, looking down and, but he'll say witty things. I just think that he was a lot more thoughtful and specific in what the image he was putting out. It was like, I want this image to say something like the image was his art. That's why it was really cool when he used that really like neat thing where he was like, I want to be used as a palette for like painters. Yes. Like, like he is an artist and that's where I kind of just didn't care that him thought, you know, whatever he thought the Villa Vallo guy, because mm. I was like, dude, like, like I said, you're just Claire's makeup. <laughs> right. Yeah, and the thing is with Marilyn Manson too is I think he has more of like an adult, sophisticated marketability as far as the music and everything goes. And um, I think him, like like when I was in high school or in middle school even, it was just like all the emo chicks had like the hardogram thing in their folders and stuff. And like we're just, I, I think it was just marketed to that kind of person. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like Marilyn Manson definitely was more philosophical. Like when you listen to his documentaries and stuff he's always talking about people like nietzsche and sart and stuff so he's definitely like a much more existentialist type of person yeah he's not just like love death yeah, yeah. just because <laughs> he's just talking about it for no reason right not saying that they are but i mean i just i've never heard them speak of anything no. that actually suggested that they were no I they mean, even yeah. talked about in that documentary that they the only reason he used like 666 and devil stuff is because in his culture it didn't actually mean anything and it, yeah, it wasn't grown up with any sort of religion or anything, yeah. and it, it wasn't inflammatory in his immediate communities and cultures to even use this kind of imagery. So he's like, well, it's just kind of fun. Well, you're right. And he actually did hit on the other topic that's actually kind of important about this, that he noticed that bands like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath had really latched onto the whole Aleister Crowley type of Satanism mm -hmm. idea. And so that's why they did it, too, because they exactly, were like, oh, yeah. that's like the cool dark side of rock. More on their sound now. Um, to me, they've always had more of like an epic rock ballad sound to me than anything else. And uh, in their first album, it seemed much more of like a traditional ballad with like slower drums and just mainly vocals going on. Um, and everything else was kind of more just like an under everything accompaniment. And then in 1999, on their next album, uh, it seems to me that like they kept the same exact style with everything but like the drums and the beat. Seemed like it got like kicked up a notch to be more catchy and like i feel like maybe that was a producer call or something because maybe they were like oh if you just have all these slow ballads with no beat and it just meanders you're never gonna get anywhere you know what i mean oh yeah because everybody wants something that they can like feel and vibe to right exactly so like with no beat you're just like okay whatever and then so after that to me it seems like they honestly never really changed their fundamental sound for the entire like 15 years they were actually making music it's it's the same style throughout the entire discography but just every single album you can tell they're they have like more pop sensibility i i can't really or unless they're like just maturing as artists and like understanding how to make more catchy songs at the ripe old age of like 20 <laughs> yeah <laughs> did it, they write any of their own stuff um, oh yeah. yeah they wrote a, like a lot of their own stuff and then by uh 2005 you never know <laughs> right yeah like in 2005, they just got a lot more popular and the more pop sound based as far as like how they were manufactured. So I don't know if that's 
producers. They should have the had sound. songwriters, in my opinion. They kind of had the shittiest songs in the world. <laughs> I feel like Villavallo was a wasted, you know, actual voice as far as that goes. Because I really like well, because his voice sounds good. I like, like his voice. Even I, his idea for his sound. Yeah. yeah, like I like his tone. I like his choices. But what he had to work with his melodies, they were not compelling. Yeah. I just there was really nothing. I. I only really knew him based off of that wicked game cover that they did. And obviously oh, there's yeah. the wings of a butterfly thing, but I, I, that was their catchiest song. And I was like, that's barely anything that I could even remember until I listened to it. I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that song. It just kind of seems like a wasted, a wasted Resource. talent right there. Yeah. Like a raw, like talent that was just like, Oh, you'll do this, I guess. Yeah. And um, they even like had the album, named love metal and they were trying to like brand themselves as you know how like metal has like a hundred different genre sub genres and like they were trying to be like oh we're love metal and now this is a new thing everyone can start doing and so then that no just means it. butt rock yeah pretty much <laughs> um so like my favorite part of the band as far as like music goes is their guitar tones um which is probably like what i can identify most with with our band in Killing Loneliness, they have this really sweet, spacey guitar sound that sounds similar in vibe to what we aim for in some of our songs. Really? Because I, I didn't really hear much spaciness. Um, in Killing Loneliness, the uh, the intro uh, riff and kind of like the chorus riff is very like reverby and mm. um, and spacey. It's well, they're, they're, I think it's like more ambient than a normal metal band. Oh, I see. Like yeah. in comparison to typical metal. I yeah. see. Yeah. And I'm like, for what they are part of is spacey. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause I was like, I still hear a lot of mid rangey tones. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. But, um, so in the studio, we went over a ton of different sounds and Scott works on his tone, like all the time, like nonstop. And I feel like there's always developments going on with that. Um, how many bands do you think actually, think about how to make the right tone for a song or is it just always the producer now? You know what I mean? Like I is, is just all bands are just, Oh, the producer will fix it. Well, is that what happened with him or something? No, I'm like, I'm as a discussion, like, do you, what do you think? Cause like in my experience with bands, it seems like a lot of people just don't even think about that kind of stuff anymore. Well, yes. Like one thing that's frustrating is that I feel like the producer really kind of hones in on that as what they think is their contribution to the CD a lot. Like, okay. especially with me and I'm yeah, they're uh, always trying and to... if any of our producers ever listens to this, I'm not talking shit on either of you because I learned a lot from both of you so far, but it's, it's almost like I can tell them this is what I want. And they're like, Oh no, that's not what <laughs> you want. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm like, no, but it's kind of what I want. You know what I mean? No, I feel you on yeah, that. Yeah, so the, the tone itself is one thing that everybody is going to always have their own opinion on. Because well, they're also thinking about how to, how to mix it. And I yeah, feel like that's where it's it, true. it becomes like this weird balance. I mean, I can't speak for other bands because, you, you know, you're only yourself. But um, as far as uh, does the producer really have a say? Well, I mean, it depends, like, we are very involved. We write our own music. This is our passion. We're very, very much about our sound and about the textures and like the actual, you know, sonic scape that we create. I think some other bands probably don't have that prerogative. And I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's their gig, whatever they have other priorities. I don't know. But like you just said, I think when the producers come in a lot of the times they think, well, this is what I'm, 
I've never mixed something that sounds like this. So I think a lot of the times they're thinking not only what they're doing right now, but what they will need to do in the future. And I think that they obviously will look back on their own experiences and all the things that they've mixed and, and done before and think to themselves, well, how does this fit into what I know? And so it can be a challenge. And I'm not saying that they're doing it because they're resting on their laurels, but it's natural human nature to want to put something into a familiar box. Yes. So if somebody's bringing something to you, that's a tone, that's a vision that you just don't have. It's like trying to, you know, teach a dog Japanese, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of like, Oh, well, I, I literally don't, I can't have your exact perspective. I can't like jump into your brain. So it's kind of trying to show them this is what I'm going for. And it's, it's hard, you know, cause you have to literally c- create that perspective for them so that they can see your end goal. Well, yeah. And one thing that frustrated me about that, just the, the tone circumstance was I also like the idea of having a consistent tone throughout an album. Yeah. To create that congeniality. You yeah. know what I mean? Like just like to where everything like is consistent and you get to see like, oh shit, like like this sounds like this band because all of the clean sounds sound the same. And I feel like the one thing that's usually forced on us the most when we go to produce an album is trying to find a new sound for every song. Wow, it's like well right? well to some extent that's cool, but to some extent and I don't I don't wanna here <laughs> yeah but like my chemical romance is the black parade and i'm not like a big my chemical romance fan but i like the fact that the whole album seemed to have a theme mm-hmm. and the whole album tonally sounds the same yeah. from song to song even though the the sound of the songs themselves like teenagers to dead and my famous last words all of the songs sound like they're different styles of songs but the sound sounds like i know what you mean yeah that they were all written the same way and that's what i hate is that it's like i don't need to write five different sounding songs for an ep i actually kind of want to make it sound like it's one story being told throughout the cd but they think about it more now as as the single and if this song sounds good in its entirety the way that it is then just make that song sound like that and then the next song because that could be a single would sound different, but like maybe that's the thing you're selling. Exactly. Cause it's like overstimulation where people can't like keep listening to the same style of song. Cause it won't be big anymore. So yeah. it's all about the money now. And you know, so anyways, so now we'll go more to like influences, uh, for them and mostly how they influenced, um, I guess culture and stuff. Uh, so Valo said throughout the years that his biggest influences, um, were black Sabbath and typo negative. And um, what's funny is, like, I just didn't even peg Black Sabbath as an influence. But um, what's also funny is, like, every band I pick always says that Black Sabbath is um, one of their main influences. Because, I mean, they were, like, a sick band. And, like, I don't Oh, of course. Well, but one thing I'd like to say about him suggesting that is it's pretty cool because those are two completely different types of bands. Yes. Like maybe he liked the fact that he thought that the typo negative guy had a voice that was more similar to him because it was much more low end and deeper and trying to have this kind of broody style to it. But you couldn't pick two bands that were more different. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, so kudos for like, you know, being diverse for the way he feels like he's being diverse in your own like taste and music and everything. Yeah. So like they how they influenced the world more than their music i think ever is that freaking ridiculous hardogram is like the most like iconic thing they ever did and it, like it's it's crazy so 
the hologram is one of the most easily recognized logos in rock and roll industry. And Valo just like doodled it by accident. He said the band was looking for a good symbol because they believed that once a symbol was stuck in your head, it created a great amount of suggestive power. It's true. And it did. I mean, to me, I'm a graphic designer. That is one of the coolest fucking logos that anybody could have come up with. How do you take something that's so like iconic that people think about like a pentagram and actually change it ever in a way that people are even going to give a shit about. And like, that no that was probably was the most fucking huge like, like you said successful holy thing they crap did. like i couldn't i feel like i would have never come up with a logo that good yeah yeah and it's not even the thing is that's what's funny to me about them is like the their biggest contribution to anything wasn't even their music it was yeah, just the harder gram really you know like rip out of the wings of the butterfly is cool whatever but like the whole culture they created with the hardogram was a whole nother thing and that was such like an emo thing well here's something that's huge okay if he does view himself as so much of an artist, yeah. I actually personally feel like you don't really need to come up with more than one thing that stands out to people. I hate the idea that people are always like, oh, well, if an artist isn't constantly changing their sound and evolving, then what are they really? Like, I feel like to be able to do one thing that impacts people is way bigger than anything you're ever going to do by trying to constantly create something new. I mean, look, look at like Thomas Edison creating the light bulb. Do you really need him to create another invention? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't need to do anything else. And as a true artist, if all he contributed to the world was that hardogram, I mean, like, that's a pretty fucking sick thing. Yeah. Well, like, from an imagery standpoint, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you don't really need to do anything else after that. Like, that's fucking badass. 100%. He kind of goes on to talk about that. Um, and uh, the original him logo was just a heart with the number 666 inside it, which seems just, like, lazy and cliche to me. And it also just seems like something a 15-year-old or yeah, exactly. came up with. You know, like, but Valo said he was looking for something that was satanic, but also represented kindness like a yin and yang type of symbol. Can I pause you for a second? I want to say that like that actually resonates with me because of my old band, the chain that's, that's what I was trying to create when I made our lips and ohm symbol. Oh, because that's it, sick. Yeah. It was a, a neon lips with a neon ohm in the middle. And that's what's so funny about you saying the yin yang type of symbol. And that was my idea was that I wanted to invoke the idea that there's this like neon lip sign that almost made people feel like, like a strip club, like a trashy. Bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. then like had like the Hindu Om symbol, which is like the ultimate symbol of peace and being able to be content with where you are as opposed to it being a trashy thing. It's like supposed to be all of everything. No, I love the branding of the chain. Yeah, but I mean, like, but he kind of did it better than I did because it's uh, like so much more succinct. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like I the understand. imagery itself is like so perfect geometrically. I, yeah, geometrically. I yeah. He said the combination of the heart and the pentagram was representative of the soft and the hard, the male and the female, and the yin and the yang. So, yeah. And then Valos has said that people even have like tattooed it on them without even associating it with the band. Of course. Honestly, I feel like that symbol is such a huge part of their success. Like, well, it has to be. That's exactly what I was talking about with yeah. the chain thing. The reason why we wanted that to be our symbol was showing people that you could be a good person while still living the life that you wanted to live. Right. And I feel like that that's kind of what it represents. You know what I mean? That you don't have to be like this pious person who's only like 
oh, like I just, you know, believe in the Buddha and this like Om thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But if, like you actually feel like you have these convictions, but there's another side of life that you can indulge in your passions, for example, and it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. Like I just think it's funny that, that a symbol can be so sick that that's the reason your music was successful over like the music being the reason that your symbol was known. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, I I don't really think that that's that weird. Maybe his whole purpose was not necessarily to create the music because he was confused as an artist that what he really wanted to just send was this message. And he actually did it more succinctly by just creating the logo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like me and Megan talk about that all the time, that where people fail the most is that they don't know how to summarize. They try to use too many words to explain what they want to feel. But if you can get across what you wanted to get across with your music, because maybe music wasn't really the vehicle he needed to get his point across. If he can do it just with one logo, that's the best way you can possibly relay a message to somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't even need to make the song because the song has the lyrics and like, Oh, maybe if they read these lyrics or listen, they'll understand what I'm trying to feel. But if they look at the logo and they already understand what you're trying to get them to feel, right. That already did the job and you don't even need to make a song anymore. Because as we've said, like all their songs sound the same. Like I have never heard any song by them that like blew my mind going like, Holy shit. Like how did they come up with this? It's like, Every fucking song on every album has the same tone and vibe. You know what I mean? Right. So maybe that's, maybe that's his stick. You know what I mean? Like that is what he needed to do, but he was convinced he needed to make music the whole time. Makes sense. I mean, like he was just making music for money. Like I guess. But but maybe not even that. I'm saying like, maybe he was confused and lost as like an artist thinking that, oh, this is the way that I I'm going to get my point across and didn't realize that he got his point across by just making the stupid one freaking logo. And it was already done. He didn't ever maybe even need to be a musician ever because quite frankly, I don't think the world is going to be missing anything if we don't hear him ever again. But (laughs) when you see the heartogram, it makes you think. So if I could make any kind of impact on society with our music, I would hope it would be something like this, you know, not necessarily people like, tattooing us on their bodies without knowing who we are or anything no i actually want people tattooing <laughs> the four of our faces like, without as, like knowing what we are well as like the monkeys so, like like hands over the oh, eyes the hands no over the ears and, hands no over the mouth. and i don't know what the fourth one's gonna be because there's four of us not three of us well it's gonna be me like with one arm over my head like this and one scratching my armpit like a monkey well that's like fair yeah, yeah there you go Representing the underrepresented monkey. Yeah, Yeah. the least... Scratch no evil. (laughs) The least acknowledged of all the monkeys, I think. Well, maybe the most. I don't know. So, uh, coming to the end of this, uh, does him rock? And I'm going to say, when I was 13, yeah, definitely, for sure. Now, I mean, not really. But they definitely um, had an impact on my life, and that's why I chose them. I don't know, man. <laughs> I feel like I'm not like personally ver- like really related to the band, but um, it's got like really good you know songs. Like they were really huge back then, and um, but it's not the type of band that I would definitely look look up for inspiration. I mean, I appreciate you know everything that they did, like bringing a new brand, for a sure. new logo. And me myself, like I say, I'm like so visual 
oriented, you know. Yeah. And when I see a logo or something, it's just I remember like every time I oh, see yeah. that logo, and I kind of relate to that. And um, I I really like the logo, but especially like just a few songs, you know, that they were like just big on radio. Uh, and that's it. I don't. Mm. You're not saying you want to be the next gas lipstick. Uh, man, <laughs> yeah, man. it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to say. Hard to say, but I don't know. I think I'm gonna pass. Right yeah. on, dude. I'm pretty much on the same page. I don't. I hate saying that they don't because I feel like if maybe if I understood him better or got to talk to him as a person. Then maybe if I really got the message better, then maybe I would think so. But mm, like for me, no, only because they don't seem adventurous enough. Right. And I mean, like that almost seems like a conundrum coming from me because I, I also believe in you don't really have to stretch it that far to but really it's make too an impact. Safe. Yes. It's too safe. Exactly. Like they don't really try to do anything else ever. It's kind of always the same thing regurgitated for like 20 years. Yeah. So like, like eh. the Metallica even was. Yeah, exactly. You know, like like, oh, like yeah. a thousand times worse. Yeah. They at least did something that sounded different. So I'm going to say no, but again, if all he needed to do was make that symbol to prove to the world what he wanted to represent, it's fucking cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a, a Megan first, but I'm going to go ahead and say no, him doesn't rock. I just never really found them that compelling or interesting. I can, you know, acknowledge the the good branding and the the cool idea for the heartogram being kind of like pervasive in culture. But to be honest with you, it just really doesn't really do anything for me. It's like I said, like kind of like a three days grace for me, for, ugh, <laughs> for enough, lack of yeah. better terms. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with Three days. I mean, I think three days grace is technically catchier. To be honest with you, there's a sad three days grace. I mean, they're just as sad. It's just you know, I I don't know. Like just it, more European. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like they they they're kind of butt rock, and they played it really safe. Um, and I don't know. It's just not doesn't really resonate with me. I don't know musically what they brought to the table. I don't know really what they changed or what they, you know even tried to do <laughs> besides just kind of very stagnant typical butt rock but i think this is a first unanimous no yeah from the metalheads council it's which, very strange because yeah. we usually don't do this but i do like the fact that we address that yeah so you hear it first on the 10th episode of metalheads a unanimous no from the council that <laughs> him does not rock and the gavel is banged. So with that, go onto social media, find us, listen to our music. We're on Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music. Tell us that him is better than us. Exactly. Yeah. Go and no. go on to the interwebs and comment how we're freaking stupid and him is so much better than us and all that. In fact, join our Facebook group. It is called Metalheads, M-E-T-T-L-E. And talk all kinds of shit on us because that's great. That's what we love. Um, In fact, we feed off of it. Yeah, it helps us grow in strength <laughs> and power. Food. But with that, yes, go listen to our music. Go talk to us online. Have a good one. Hang out.